Welcome to the PT Mentor Academy podcast. So with this series of podcasts we're about to be putting out is directly off the group program that we are running. So essentially what happens is we help personal trainers who are looking for structure, self-development and business acumen, marketing, client management, so forth and so forth. And each week, the guys on the group submit um, questions through a check-in form and we that they want more elaboration on, they want a little bit more context on um, outside of the normal comms that goes on in the group. And we thought it would be good to record this for both them, uh, this stream straight into the group, but actually put it on a podcast as well for, them, for a bit more easier and accessible listening and Anybody who else who is struggling or wondering about the certain questions the guys are bringing up, there's a massive variety of questions in there um, that it could hopefully help people out there as well. So um, some episodes are longer than others. Generally, it lasts around 20 to 40 minutes. Um, And yeah, hope you get a lot out of this if you're listening. If you have any additional questions you want us to answer and put, put into the podcast, um, please submit them through the show notes. There's an email there. You can pop a pop a question in. Uh, and yeah, hope you enjoy, guys. Okie dokie. Who's asking the first question, Nicholas? Me or you? I'll go. What do you mean, or can you explain what you mean by entertain in regards to posting on social media? Um, so that is just be a little bit more entertaining in a sense of, I think I touched on this on last night's webinar, actually. Um, so it's striking a balance between being educational and entertaining or a mixture of both, um, where you can show your personality, just have a laugh and show the real you, I suppose. Um, it can be topical. So if I don't know, let me use an example of this. Um, that Danielle Lloyd was a bit of a twat and everyone hammered her. In regards to ketosis, you might do something about that. Um, that's funny. You might, I don't know, anything that can be kind of controversial. Anything, just honestly, anything, anything where you're taking the piss out of yourself. Just anything that's going to make people think that actually you're not this serious um stereotypical personal trainer anything with your content hopefully that gives them enough context anymore for that difficult one in it because i'm not i'm not entertaining so it's hard to explain <laughs> no i think um i think when it comes to like mixing that with information i think it's like putting an analogy behind it and visuals and just making it quick and easy and convenient to understand um yeah it doesn't have to be I can't think of the word now. Yeah, I think if you have to put, if you have to be, take yourself away from your own personality, then that's that's a negative. Um, but yeah, just try and think about putting, putting that information across in a more entertaining, eye-catching, um, simple way. Simple's best. 
Um, I'll go with the next one. Um, is it important to use more than one social platform? I only use Instagram and don't have a Facebook and never used it. Is that important? Is it that important? I think short term, no. I think long term, it is important to, to start to use different platforms. The reason I say that is oh, a couple of different reasons. The first one is when you want information or when you want to learn how to do something, you don't you don't go on Instagram. You, you Google, you, you go onto YouTube. Um, the search function in Facebook is much more used for things when people want to know how to do something. So I think you are, I think short term to create, it's great for obviously capturing quick awareness and attention. It's brilliant for, and it can definitely feed into those different platforms. I personally think that um, should diversify a little bit, whether that's whether you're better on camera, you put yourself on YouTube, you feel more comfortable with that, whether you um, like writing and you do blogs and you break that up into emails and content again, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's important to diversify, but like we keep saying, understand your market first, doubling down on Instagram for now, and then naturally organically building that out to deliver in different ways on different platforms um, is important. The only thing I would add to that is that for this person who's asked the question, your market is probably, yeah, they're definitely on Instagram, but a lot of them probably hang out on Facebook and in Facebook groups and pages and stuff like that. So I think personally, as you're growing your content on Instagram, linking it to a page on Facebook might be a wise idea. So everything that you post on Instagram just goes straight through to the page on Facebook. You're not looking for tons of engagement. It's just there for people to refer to on that platform. And then as you start to grow and get a little bit more awareness, then you can start to concentrate more on that platform. Um, yeah, so that would be my shout. Save yourself cool. some time and just do it that way. Next question, please, Nicholas. How should you deal with prospects who only want to sign up on a pay-as-you-go basis rather than signing up for the full service? Um, so that is a reflection on the perceived level of value they hold for you currently. Now, don't take that as a dig. It just means that you probably need to spend a little bit longer of them getting to know what they need versus what they want. So you would do that by probably just extending that marketing process by, for example, having an inquiry process in place, having a pre-consult in place, and maybe splitting your consultation down into two chats. Now, I know that might seem quite long for people, um, but personally that then starts to help them recognize what they need alongside what they want. Um, and the other route that you could go about it is um, obviously if you, if you really feel strongly that they need more frequency and need more commitment and so on, um, you could potentially bring them on on that one session a week, but really make it clear that they're not, it's unlikely that they're going to get results off the back of it. So you could just then split the sessions up into two 30 minute sessions. So they've got that level of frequency and then they upscale from there. Um, so yeah, there's a few options that I would advise um 
off the back of that. Because the last thing you want to do is take on a client in, coming into your business that you absolutely know needs um, needs more to get a result. Uh, yeah, anything else on that? Mm -hmm. No, not really. I think just... I agree with everything you said there. It's definitely going to... Don't be afraid. It's It's one of those things where you've got to, and this is one of the things we'll go over in later in the course is it really, really, it depends, I guess, on where you're at with your business right now. Um, I think when, as soon as you start to feel pressured and stressed, whether that's starting out and you need to get finances going, you need to get experience, um, or you feel pressured because maybe you've lost um, some revenue through clients leaving you during lockdown, it's very easy to grab at the money. Um, and I'm not saying that's a wrong thing to do. You've got to do it for obvious reasons. And I think that need sometimes overcomes doing what you would prefer to do. But just have, I would put some, um, I would put some caveats to that, that person signing up, whether it's a limited time, whether it's, um on that one session a week i would definitely push to to two a week or half an hour um so yeah it's a hard situation to be in i truly believe you're going to be on the back foot with the majority of people if you take them on once a week um this is where as well like don't underestimate and this is to everybody kind of listening don't underestimate the power of your marketing because a lot of when we talk about sharing social proof a lot of people just think of transformation pictures but actually if you get people talking about their journey or you talk about their journey and the service that they've had throughout that journey so explaining to people that actually they've been with you for six months they've been doing two or three sessions per week these are the types of things it starts to help your audience see what's needed um so yeah don't underestimate the power of your marketing that will reduce the amount of people who are coming in trying to grab that kind of low-hanging fruit slightly where next, Nicholas? Is it my one to you? Is only having one or two leads per week normal? I see many examples suggesting in excess of 20 leads per week. It's a really interesting question, this. It's very subjective. It's very, it's one of those, one of those answers where I'm going to put depend at the beginning. Um, First of all, it's, it massively depends on how much you've shown up on social media. Um, massively depends. It massively depends on what we've gone through over the last couple of sessions in regards to, right, if you've been putting informative stuff out um, and left out the personality side of you, then that's probably expected. Um, if you have just tried to throw out a call to action to committee business without any content context no like trust that is expected so it does depend on what your inputs are if you're ticking all of those boxes every single one of those boxes and you're getting in two leads a week and you're converting one person out of those two 50 conversion i think that's really good because that versus someone might be getting 20 leads in a week 80 leads in a month and convert in very little or convert or putting them onto that lower price point 
um, entry into their business. You don't know, and I think this is really hard to put a number on it because it does depend on your inputs. It does depend on what your um, calls to action are going to be like. And again, it's why we did last night. It, it, it really depends on like the intent behind that marketing strategy. There's different phases you can go through. Um, so is it good? Is it bad? There's no right answer to that. I would say once you're starting to tick those boxes, if it's still your leads are still low and by leads um i think start to define that a little bit also like is it a cold lead that's just started to follow you because they've seen someone's told them about you or shared your stuff then that is a cold lead so they haven't had that before um so is it growth of the numbers um on your audience is it leads in regards to people engaging with you answering polls questions or is it leads hot leads where they're actually inquiring into your business so i would just start to think about those few different areas um and also do a bit of a review on like am i doing these really really important things consistently on a daily basis um if it's a no add those in if it's uh, right just started to do that you could probably expect those that number number of leads sound i've got nothing to add to that um next question any tips on overestimating time management and task management um oh god that's such a broad topic Okay, so I'm going to try and go into. Obviously, this is a webinar further on down the line, so we go into both priority and task priority and time management. Um, so if you're on the group program, we get stuck into this in quite a bit of detail further down the line, which is good. Um, a quick win. Maybe I'm dictating a little bit, but I suppose you want an answer to the question. Um, is get down literally everything that you need to do um so obviously this will this will this will come off the back of your goals right so obviously you've got your goals done you know exactly what you want to achieve probably in the next say three months right let's work off short-term goals right now because we haven't got a fucking clue what's going on off the back of that you've got a list of tasks that you need to do to get from where you are now to where you want to be um once you've got them down um, them tasks down I would then separate them and again this is a system that's worked for me in the past and you can either do it there's two different ways um, and I've seen it work for other PTs um, is in one box you go what are the biggest impact kind of things what are going to have the highest impact that um, it doesn't matter if it takes me more time less time like what are the things that are going to give me the biggest impact and probably even look at within your week. So just focus on the next week. Um, then in the next box, I'll be looking at what are my quickest wins out of them tasks that I can just dive in, get stuff done, X, Y, Z. Um, and then we start to have a look at the stuff that maybe you start to put off. So um, the system I'm using at the minute is called like hard slogs is the one that I see in it. Is 
Um, it's maybe not the urgent stuff, but it's the stuff that needs to get done that might take a while. So um, for you guys, that might be a new group program you're building out. It might be a new ebook you're building out. It might be ebook. Does anyone do them anymore? But you know what I mean? Um, a presentation, like whatever it is, it's taken a few weeks. It's not the biggest impact. It doesn't need to be in your week as in a finished article, but actually you need to move it forward in some way. So hard slogs. And then you've got just kind of little fill-ins and that all of that for me would be your business stuff, your personal stuff, your lifestyle, everything would be in there and you just scatter them about. Now for me, that then helps you prioritize it because then we talk about trying to then commit to daily non-negotiables. So that might be for me, it might be an easy way around this is you've got to get at least one of the biggest impact on things today, a couple, so two quick wins. You have to make some progress on one of your hard slogs or finish it. And then anything else that's a fill-in that's not really urgent and doesn't take a lot of time, it's a bonus if you get done. So you're hitting your kind of three non-negotiables or four non-negotiables for the day. And then obviously you spread them across the week. Um, so you've gone from taking all of the tasks that you've got, like literally down into micro detail of daily non-negotiables. Hopefully that helps. I know it's a lot to take in about visuals, but anything you'd add? Nope. Next question. Um, what more, that's a good question. What motivates you both to turn up every day and deliver? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a couple of different things. Number one, we have to. <laughs> it's simple as that. Like you don't show up, you don't get paid. There's a, there's a definite need there. Um, but we, to be honest, we could probably get away with not doing it when we don't want to or don't feel like it. But I think one of the main things is, and I can't speak for Anne, but I'm pretty sure he's on the same page here. We do feel accountable to whether it's on Pure Gym, whether it's on PTMA, whether it's doing these lives, whether it's answering the questions, giving you feedback. Um, we do feel accountable to try and give as much support as needed purely from the fact that we've both been in a situation where we didn't know what was going on. Like we've been through every kind of emotion and barrier and challenge of PTs has gone through. But I, I guess we never really had that outlet or support or opportunity. So I think it's just kind of trying to over deliver uh and and yeah help out as much as we can um yeah like everything that nick's just said um and then i'm obviously you might have guessed like i'm very like goal related with everything that i do and sometimes it can be my downfall as nick knows that sometimes then i can go a million miles an hour into something that and my work capacity can be silly and my kids and my family don't see me, but it's because I need to get shit done. So I think it's more so my values in a sense of um, like work ethic is like high up there for me. It's obviously my biggest internal motivation is my, my family and my kids and 
having the opportunity to work from home is really good for me at the minute because like, you can. I know it might sound really cheesy, but them seeing me work and graft and so like that is, you can see it's passing on, to, especially to my 10 year old and so on. So that really motivates me to show up um, and do the uncomfortable bits as well, like the, the shit that I don't like doing. So that like my family and my kids is by far my biggest motivator. Um, yeah, so I'd say that was that off the back of what Nick just said. I'd say the same on that. Um, yeah, and I just, it, I'm, I'm a bit weird like this in a sense of I just fucking really love a challenge. So like when COVID's come up and stuff like that, it's um, there's a part of my job that I wasn't enjoying and it made me enjoy it again um, because it was a really difficult situation and I love the grind and the challenge of that. So yeah, a bit strange, but that's what motivates me. <laughs> um, next question, Nicholas. How do you one. overcome anxiety or mind blanks when recording videos for socials? Um, the first one is the cliche one is that you just practice more often. Um, I was, we were horrific to you. We Ryan two years ago. I remember us sat in a room in Birmingham trying to film a video that took us about three hours because we were giggling like two little girls because we couldn't get it right. Um, and we felt awkward. We felt nervous. It was just fucking ridiculous. Like, honestly, it was. So please, like anyone listening to this, that you obviously have to start in that awkward, cringy, um, yeah, overthinking stage. And the only way you're going to get out of that is to practice, practice, practice as much as possible. I never thought I'd be one of them people walking down the street, talking into his camera on a story, like no way in a million years when I first started doing it two, three years ago. So that just all comes naturally. I think the mind blanks, although we're very stubborn with it, don't underestimate how um, easy and better it is to edit your videos. Like, um, so if you're just saying a minute at a time and then cutting in and editing in, they just look better, they, you deliver it better, the message lands better, and it allows for your mind blanks. It allows for you to go off on a tangent because you can edit it. Obviously, it takes longer, but it's a better delivery and just looks slicker and more professional, which is strange coming from me because mine never do, mine never do because I try and get it all done in one. Um, so, yeah, I'd say, I'd say that side of things because I remember going through a stage where I was looking for an auto cue because I always used to forget. I always used to go off on a tangent. It always used to be aiming for a two-minute video it used to be fucking seven, eight, nine, ten minutes. Um, so, yeah, if you can start to edit your videos to keep you on track, I would strongly recommend you do that. Um, okay, next one. When planning out your social media content for the week, should you go into full detail and have your post written out for the whole week, along with ideas for stories, etc.? This is an area I feel my biggest weakness. I struggle to not get myself stressed about it, stressed out about it. Um, I would definitely, definitely, definitely have structure of kind of your um, target-driven. So, as an example, right? If I've gathered data from the last week of conversations with clients, okay? So I'd make simple notes on stuff they've said, comments, questions, bits and pieces like that, consolidate it all, plan my answers and the way I'm gonna deliver it over the next two weeks. I wouldn't do, I think a week, sometimes 
can be too short a feel you know doing two weeks in advance will probably give you a lot more breathing room a lot more time to relax and what more maybe plan um doing little bits at certain times throughout those two weeks for the following two weeks gives you that heads up so i definitely give you structure i definitely give it structure um just to a certain extent i would have an idea of how how and what you're going to do in regards to your stories only to link that to your longer content in your in your post that you put out um directing people to it but then leave room as well just for some ad hoc stuff but also i think there's there's definite value in just jumping on there at, at any point and uh and delivering some stuff so yes yeah, structure um do you go after into the full detail i think get the structure there get the understanding of um those content clusters like like we went through last night that will really help to kind of organize stuff um and yeah do two weeks in advance because it'll just give you more breathing space and more breathing space to kind of create that content so if you're stuck on something you got time to kind of leave it walk away come back to it when you're refreshed or got more energy yeah, the only thing I'd add to that is something that I said last night um, to help with structure because it is a massive pain in the ass when it comes to social media is that think of each post as a, as a story tell. So like a beginning, middle and an end. So when you put there about putting stuff on your stories and then obviously posting and stuff like that, if you've got a post and that's your middle, that's where you're going to land the content, whether it's educational, whether it's entertaining or anything like that. So you've got that and that's your middle your beginning would be the build up to it in the story. So it'll be the phrase that your clients say that they can look at and go, yeah, I say that, or yeah, I feel like that. I think like that. It gives them a little bit of context on their stories, whether you speak in that or whether you've typed it, it builds it up to the middle, which is the post. And then the ending is something where on, on most of your posts, I would say, especially for you guys right now, is that you give them an opportunity to, to, to act on it. Now, it doesn't need to be a call to action. It could be a comment box. It could be asking you a question in a message. It could be an inquiry form, an application form. It could be their experiences of that post below, like anything that gets, encourages people to take action. Um, so like beginning, middle, end, I think that really helps with structure. Um, where are we, mate, now? I'm lost. Um, there we are. The next one just says programming. Oh, it's off car. I think that's. We've got. It's a broad topic to go into on a Q and A. Uh, do we go into that or? What are your thoughts? Pretty hard to answer the question. <laughs> there isn't a question. <laughs> uh, we'll leave it and go into it separately. Um, okay, next one. Would you recommend boosting your best posts to help with growing social media following? Um, so. Okay, how can I put this back? Do, 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 do. So it's it's a really good 
thing for you to do to create awareness and attention if it's laser focused on the audience that you want to attract so if it's that post that is really laser focused on that audience and it's not just something i see it done by a lot of pts where they've got a lot of interaction and engagement and then you look and the majority of people who have interacted and engages are other personal trainers and they've boosted that post and i'm like mm, was that really worth it because all you've done now is just gone to get some short-term gratification off your peers like yeah, it's not going to work now obviously for the person who's asked this question, I know you're not that daft. Um, so I think if you are, and these are by my terms on this one, if you are extremely consistent, you're laser focused speaking to the audience all the time, um, you're potentially looking to build up maybe over the next two to four weeks to deliver something like a program, a 14 day challenge, a um, taking on more clients, whatever it is, then yes, maybe if it does well and your audience really take to that post, and it will generate more awareness and attention. Um, but for me, you have to tick them boxes beforehand, which is consistency um, and getting that organic engagement before you go out there and try and boost it to try and, yeah, to get less, I suppose it's less organic engagement, isn't it? Because what we want is relevant reach within our demographic and market. Anything else you'd put on that, Nick? No, the only thing I would say is that if you're going to have a marketing budget, um, you would like to have the return off the back of it. The organic content needs to have been there for a while. Your audience need to be there for a while. Um, and I think more so, you're probably going to get a better return on Facebook ads. Yeah. Although you're just going to have to watch on the the types of and the types of people who come in from it, because um, you're going to have to build on them cold leads slightly, and it's probably going to be people dangling or looking for that low hanging fruit again. So yeah, I think we've kind of given an answer on that. Um, yeah, okay. Next question. I aim to be all. <coughs> I aim to be all over giving value to leads. I've signed up. I've signed up for my 30 day trial. I think that is what's the best way to gain a sale at the end of the program without it seeming like a sale. First of all, it is a sale. So don't shy away from that. You are selling something, um, <clears throat> but I get your, your thought process in not being wanting to be pushy, but on the same side, with trying to trying to not be pushy and trying not to kind of be directing that you have got something to offer them after that 30 day often leads to trainers not actually directly asking for the for the um for the sale at the end of it so the one a couple of different things i would say first of all is obviously if you've got that those people on the 30 day trial 30 day group whatever it is um if it's a group of people um, I would definitely, same kind of tactic as before, really find out as much detail as you can about, about those guys in regards to what they're looking for, what they want, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I would 100% start to have individual conversations with people, whether that's directly messaging them on every other day or choosing a couple of days a week for a certain people. Um, and ultimately start to kind of drip drip feed out towards that kind of halfway through the course is that right guys I'm 
from the results we've got, from the questions and challenges you guys have been kind of throwing at me, I'm thinking of doing, I'm thinking of creating something uh, specifically for you guys to do after the 30 day has finished, whether that be a group, whether that be one-to-one, who'd be interested in learning more and understanding that um, and just start those really indirect calls to action and make them a part of that process. I think that's really important. Um, so by the end of the course, you really should, or it shouldn't be right. Come into my program. Who wants one-to-one? They should already be there by the end of it, in my opinion. Agree. You kind of use it as a mini marketing campaign going throughout that new, that 30 day trial. So um, very similar to the stuff that you've learned with us in the past. Like it's, it's building that curiosity, excitement, it's launching it and then driving it with intent. Um, oh, who's next one? I'm lost track now. Fine programming takes a long time. Would it be, would it be better to segment clients and program them in groups or is there a better way? No, I think that's, I think that's a very logical way of doing it. Um, yeah, I think that's a very logical way of doing it. Um, getting a bit, tend to find if you get, first of all, don't feel under pressure to change your programming vastly different every single time. Um, trainers usually fall into that because we're, we're more kind of com feeling complacent or bored with the programming versus the client. That's the first thing. Um, second thing, I would get a bunch of templates with regressions, progressions um, included in that, and almost like your. So, if I'm going to if I'm going to program for maybe a group of clients, maybe you're segmenting them into a group of clients. I'd be looking to do kind of a three month three month kind of blocks. Um, sorry, three months broken down into blocks of training phases. Um, doing maybe two, three session plans for each of those each of those blocks. And then for those two, three training plans, do a regressed version and a, progress, a progressed version as well. And once you've created that, you've got probably something you can cycle through, well, a hell of a lot, and just maybe start to kind of build that out. But segmenting definitely makes sense. Yeah, the only thing I'd add to that is like the insecurity of maybe your clients getting bored of the pro. I'm not saying you have this, but a lot of personal trainers do. Yeah, and the insecurity of your clients being bored of the program. So then you're switching it up week on week or bi-weekly. Um, the, the easy way to solve that is let the client have a say in an element of the programming. So if you've got this generalized template that Nick just talked about, um, and then there's an element of the programming, whether it's the finisher, whether it's the I don't know whether it's the AMRAP, whether it's the EMOM, whether it's they pick out the 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 press, the pull, the the core, the carry, whatever it is that they they have a bit of a say on that programming. So you know that they're engaging it because they've picked the movements, um, which creates a level of autonomy, which will help with motivation as well. So yeah, that's the only thing I'd add to it. Next question. Don't like using pain points as I feel as if you're trying to make people feel bad or guilty so they work with you. Any advice on this? I think my first bit of advice is like using pain points doesn't have to like really kick people in the cunt. Do you know what I mean? It is a really bad way of putting it, but it just doesn't, it doesn't have to hurt them really, really bad. Like they're pet, like 
let's use an example of a pain point for let's say your market from what I know would be um feeling like they want to lose weight but struggling to try and fit it in around balancing kids work homeschool and stuff like that that's a pain point for them right now i've not turned around and basically said that um they're struggling to lose that bit of belly fat or whatever i've not been really direct on that so i, I think it depends on how much you understand what these pain points are it's it's something that they struggle with in their lifestyle. It might be something that they struggle with themselves, but it doesn't have to doesn't have to hurt people. It's just it's just that that pain of looking at something and going, yeah, that's me. Like I'm struggling to fit that time in. Um, I tell myself I haven't got time. Um, that's me who feel does feel a bit out of breath going up the stairs, and um, I'm a bit ashamed by that. Like it doesn't mean to say that you're hurting them with it. It's just highlighting some of the things that they already think and feel. Um, so I think it depends how you how you frame it to yourself to then therefore how that comes out in in your content, um, and that comes back to again knowing how, like really really understanding your market like really understanding them because if we're making an assumption on um, the majority of the pain points that I've got in my head might hurt them, we probably need to go out a little bit more and find out more that maybe do make you feel a little bit more comfortable of um, of landing it. Anything you'd add? No, I think it's all, I think once you get into it and start to use it, it's not, I mean, a key thing here is, oh, we off down a rabbit hole here, but people change uh, or people initiate change or a different thought process or a different perspective or start to critically think based on being triggered, based on um, an event, based on um, a reflection. And so if and pain point might be, it might be the way you perceive that, that particular phrase, maybe, um, but it's capturing the retention and it, it is creating um, relatability so that that creates a different thought process about what they're going through. It gets them to critically think, it gets them to self-reflect. And I think that's a really important thing. And it's hard to, I guess it's hard just looking at the word pain, um, but maybe start to rephrase that a little bit and start to think about, you know, what we, what's gonna trigger them to start to think and reflect about they've been doing this for ages and it hasn't really worked for them and they need that. And that's that kind of catalyst to find out more and to research more, to ask more questions. That's, that's the whole um, focus around it. And so it's not manipulating, well, it is manipulating and manipulating people isn't a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. If I manipulate someone to think outside of their normal um, thought processes or their normal self-talk and it gets them to a better place of where they want to be it's good isn't it next one um, do you think it's beneficial for a new PT to start a bit of an accountability group when you don't really have many clients to join it would it be worth offering it to your audience without any real end call to action 
just to build up a bit of rapport and likability and get your name out there a little. Hope that makes sense. Thank you in advance. Sure answer, yeah, I do, 100%. Um, I think not having a call to action um, is okay. I think naturally don't shy away from that though. Remember, calls to action don't particularly have to be coming to my business. It could be, you know, doing that accountability um, group for, I know, February, for example. It's a nice time to maybe think about that. Um, and at the end of Feb, you, your call to action could be, hey, guys, do you want to continue this? Do you want to focus on something else? What's the next stage for you? Or how can I help you more? So a call to action might not be buy my one-to-one -one service. It might be, let's continue this if that's where you feel you need to go with it. But 100%, absolutely. It's only going to create more opportunity for you. Okay, so we have a last couple of questions and they are in the group. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Right, where are we? Okay, so Gemma, I'm a bit confused by the call to action portion. So, it is usually buy slash sign up, but sometimes can just be creating awareness. Example, if you are offering a free product, the aim is to get the information, then you use that to get more contact, more awareness and end up to sell. I think on this one, Gemma, it's, I know obviously I know last night's webinar was a lot to take in. Um, it's your call to action is how, someone can make basically it's the next steps off the back of your post off the back of your content it's it's basically driving them to take an action whether that is and that can be in many different forms that can be messaging you it can be commenting below it can be an inquiry form it can be join your group here go onto your landing page and find out more these many different ways of different calls to action so and i think the best way to layer this is that what we need to do as, as, as I suppose marketers is create that awareness and interest, um, create that awareness and attention, then create the interest, the desire, and then you've got an opportunity to put a call to action in. But that doesn't mean to say, for example, if I put a post out there that talks about increasing protein for females who struggle with it, that I can't then put at the end of it um, a mini call to action to get them to comment below of their... Um, their their favorite protein sources that is a, a little mini kind of call to action to get them engaged so then i can then probably message them and going they're really good protein sources do you struggle do you find that you struggle to get um, enough protein into your daily kind of intake do you know how much you need to get in do you understand calories and i can build on that uh, organically that that kind of interaction and engagement um but basically you're asking them to do something next um, is the call to action anything you'd add to that nick nope. Um, next question, the last one of the day. This has been a long session. Um, oh, this is more so tailored towards a group program, but we'll ask it anyway. Um, completely missed out on the task at the end of the webinar last night, but after looking at the task page, do you want us to summarize a full 12 month marketing campaign for our target market, specifying all on all of the action points discussed and listed, or just a three to four month one detail in each month? Um, an overview of the 12 months. So, oh, shit. Oh, I don't know what happened there. Oh, hit my What's phone going on bone. 
<laughs> it wasn't funny. It wasn't funny. Fucking hell. Oh. Uh, so if yeah, just put it onto the group. It was that Ben, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just put it onto the group. So having an overview of that 12 months and how you're going to cycle through different phases. Um, of your marketing just to give you an overview of, the, of what the next 12 months looks like to give you structure um, in regards to let me get this up if you're on the podcast you you can drop off if you want now <laughs> we've, we've more or less fit we've more or less finished yeah see you later um, um so putting a time frame on um so a 12 month overview of how you're going to cycle through your aims and objectives through social media and, and we gave you that example and I put those slides onto the group for you but then thinking about right over the next whether it's uh, next month over the next six weeks what are the phases you're going to go through in regards to start and then starting a campaign to do what exactly bring people into an online program bring people into a group program face-to-face -face, remote coaching accountability group low barrier entry product service um, so you've got a start and an end date um, once you've got the, that once you've got that intent and once you've got that time frame breaking that time frame down into right so for the first seven days as a quick example um, this is my focus I'm going to create huge awareness um, start to you kind of already started with the surveys um, but based on information, start to create huge awareness and, and uh, curiosity through social. Starting to put some calls to action in there. At what stages? So is this to engage with you uh, to create curiosity? The next stage off the back of that, um, create some excitement about, you know, the problems that you're solving and the solutions that you're creating. Um, once you've been through that stage, maybe that's a week or two. Your call to action leading up to that end date of that campaign is by the service, opt-in, inquire here, et cetera, et cetera. Um, how are you going to be accountable? Um, and any barriers that could come up between now and then and how you would think about overcoming them. Sorted. God, that was a slog, like a one-hour live Q&A. Um, Happy days. I think we've covered everyone's question, which is great. Um, thank you for all your questions. It does give us an opportunity to obviously um, see what you're dealing with, see what you're thinking and, and helping you out on an individual level. So just make sure that you're keeping up with them check-ins because it's really valuable to see um, how you're all getting on, getting on on an individual level. Um, and that's us. And then we'll, we'll uh, see you all on Thursday for the next one. See you in a bit.